Welcome to Sacrifice to Success Podcast. My name is David Weaver, and I am the owner of The Forgotten Heart Project. My mission is to help others create freedom in every aspect of their life. In this season of the podcast, we are talking life, business, and what makes you feel alive. We are speaking with business owners and entrepreneurs from all over, hearing about the sacrifices, the learnings, the twists, the turns, the ups and downs, and the successes that they have had in life and business. These are their stories. All right. Welcome back, everybody. I'm excited for another interview today. This time I have with me Dennis Litley. Welcome, Dennis. Thank you, David. Thanks for having me on your show today. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, me too. I'm really excited to hear about what you're up to because I think it's a really cool idea. So uh, just start with telling us a little bit about yourself and your company. Sure. Sure. I started out as a chef. Well, I still am a chef, but kind of started out as that. And over the years, because of work conditions, my my body kind of given up on things. I transitioned over to management and I ended up, well, I was almost being put out to pasture at an all girls high school where I was just going to sit in the office and, and watch things. And food was so bad there that I just couldn't take it. So I ended up making an excuse to move the, the cook to another position and said, oh, they're making me, they're cutting budgets. They're making me cook because I just couldn't, I couldn't sit there and watch it every day. And uh <laughs> Went back into the kitchen. I'd had two carpal tunnel surgeries on my right hand, so I was not supposed to be doing that anymore. And um, but it, it became at that point because I didn't know what to feed kids. You know, I had kids, but I mean, I didn't know what to feed them in at schools. And uh, so I just started feeding them like I fed adults at the restaurants and at the different uh, corporate dining places I worked. And you know, they were getting chicken marsala, they were getting sushi, they were getting all kinds of things they'd never seen before. And it, and it kind of blossomed into an almost like TV made for TV movie where they were painting murals of me on the walls. And, you know, it just, it was a real great experience. And, and about four years into it, I decided I got tired of hiring temp workers. So I decided I would train my own staff. And at that point I started a culinary program. Okay. I, I needed somewhere for the kids. At least I thought they did. Blogging was brand new. I'd heard about this thing called blogging, you know, it was 2009. I says. Uh, I think that would be a good place to put the recipes. Girls can come and get them. They can ask questions. I can respond. Well, none of them were having that. They wanted to just come see me, you know, but (laughs) other students in the school and the teachers started going to it. And then I joined an organization called Food Buzz, which was out of San Francisco. And they had bloggers all over the world. And Mm. I was seeing all these different dishes and on all these oh my God, beautiful images and talking to people all over the world. And I was getting excited and I, I really became a blogger then. That's that's when the idea came to fruition that, you know, maybe this is something I could do as a business. I had hopes and dreams and aspirations. Uh, never dreamed it would come to the level it's at. That was mm. way, way beyond anything I could have thought of. You know, you always hope, you know, oh, I might be the next pioneer woman, you know, you know, something like that, that just is huge. But honestly, you know, I was thinking, oh, if I could make a thousand dollars a month, that would be great. You know, now I would slip, yeah. my, slip my wrist if that's what I was making. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> but uh, so it turned into a business. And I, I think the turning point of the business was, I don't know if you remember Google Plus when it was out. Uh, mm-hmm. Google had its own little well, they called it the grand experiment, 
we, those of us that were on it, loved it as a social media. And it was a love-hate thing. Either you hated it or you loved it. There was really no in-between ground. And uh, again, started meeting a lot of really cool people from all over the world. And I, I started using their Google Hangouts and that's what they were really after. They were trying to get people to use that and refine it so they could see what they could do with it. Mm-hmm. And I started, I was, I had three shows on a week at a time. At one point I had a travel show, I had a cooking show and I had my idea of what was going to be the next biggest thing was good day, Google plus where I would <laughs> invite three or four other people on from different walks of life, different businesses. And we would just have a, an hour's discussion about each other's business. And they would ask questions and it was, I'd have music on. Sometimes I had live music, you know, I was, I was trying to make it into a variety show, uh, and, you know, and that ran its course, but it also took me to the next level of my business skills where I could comfortably speak to anybody, anytime, anywhere. And, I, and again, I made these connections with people all over the world that kind of, and they would help me, you know, they'd say, Dennis, have you seen this? No, I haven't. Have you seen this? Oh, wow. This is cool. You know, uh, and just you, you start making these relationships and learning and growing and, you know, help them and you help other people. Next thing you know, you know, um, my business is blossoming. You know, it, it didn't hurt that I had worked so closely with Google. I mean, that helped my authority. That really, I think that was a big, a big push for me. And I was speaking at conferences uh, around the world on different things and, really kind of got me out into the open where before, before Google plus I was on Facebook, I was on Twitter, I was on, you know, Instagram, but I didn't even know what the hell Instagram was at that point. And um, <laughs> I, I refused my first invitation to Pinterest because I thought it was spam. Um, <laughs> and then I had to, then I had to beg for one. Um, uh, I was late to the game when all the ones that were set up already. So all these people had huge followings and I had a dribble on Google plus it was reversed. I became the leader. I had, when, when they closed it down, I had over a million followers on Google plus they, they rewarded me because I was using the platform like they intended by, by featuring me with uh, Gordon Ramsay, Rachel Ray, Anthony Bourdain, Martha Stewart. I was on this, platform up with all these big chefs not knowing how the hell i did that but uh yeah that really pushed that's me so, so that, cool yeah so that's what that's what built the business and then it, it's just when i retired from cooking in 2013 and we moved to florida i had a lot of time so instead of getting up at four o'clock to go make the donuts for the girls you know to go cook and be in there at five i had all this time during the day to get productive and i spent a lot of time working on things and social and and building the business and investing we didn't need the money to live at the time so i was investing the money back into the business which is yeah a really good way to develop it if you can do it because it 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 returned a lot more than i put in yeah for sure it's like man i always tell people if you can if it's possible to where it's not too crazy like both of my businesses that i've started i worked I worked while I was starting it and was able to like uh, doing that allowed the growth to happen organically and without the financial strain. Right. And and then, yeah, like you said, it grows faster because you pour back into it right away. Yeah. You know, and I understand I have friends that are working, 
you know, and they take jobs that I wouldn't take that pay don't pay enough. But if you're feeding your family, you you don't have an alternative, you know, but if you can build it, like people always say, oh, how did you do that? I would love to do what you do. You know, they don't understand how much work really goes into it. They think it's just, you know, look, he's got a website and he gets to cook every day and he makes, or he gets to travel the world and for free. And I'm like, well, there's a lot of stuff goes behind that. I'm still, you know, eight to 12 hours a day, sometimes every day work. And they don't, they don't get that. But I tell people, like you said, you've got a job, yeah. play the long game. All right, let's play the long game. Says, especially if you're young, you know, I started this when I was 60 or, or 50 in my late 50s you know st- mm-hmm. play the play the long game so if you're young enough if you're in the 30s now and you're passionate about something start writing about it start learning the craft start getting some work out there learn what you have to do to be successful don't worry about the money you know give it three years four years to really get yourself rolling and then about then you'll start making money and then by the time you're ready to retire at age 50 they'll you know, they'll direct deposit your checks for you. Just, you know, you can live anywhere you want. And it's a good <laughs> way. It, it, this was my 401k. I didn't have a very, as a chef, I did not have a very good 401k. So this has become my 401k because as long as I maintain the blog and Google doesn't get crazy, the recipes are timeless. People are yeah. always searching for them. So they're kind of evergreen content. So as long as I maintain everything, I should be... I tell my wife we'll be gumming our food in style, you know, as we get older. <laughs> nice. Um, okay, so what what is the the product and now? Like we haven't really described exactly okay. what it is that you do now. The product is, you know, as a chef, I, I you know I would always I would love serving people and making people happy, but they always there was always this mysticism about. Oh, he's a chef. He can do things that other normal people can't do. Well, you know, that's far from the truth. You know, I, I'm good at what I do and I love what I do. So I, th- I think that has a big part of it. But you can cook like I cook and your house. It's not my favorite saying. It's not rocket science. It's food and learning how to prepare things comes down to sourcing the right ingredients. And, and sometimes that's where, where people fail. They don't mm-hmm. buy, they buy, they buy based solely on price, which again, sometimes I understand that, mm-hmm. but they don't always pick the right ingredient to make, or they don't know how to adapt something. So on my blog, I, I share restaurant style recipes that are that you can, most of them you can make in, in under 30 minutes because in a restaurant, when you come in and order, that's about what I have to get your food on the table and get it out to you. You know, mm-hmm. so I, and I, and if I'm, if we want to make money, I got to be able to do that a lot in a short period of time. So it doesn't take that long. There's some things take a little more prep or some items you might have to cook for three or four hours, but in all intents and purpose, you've got about 10 or 15 minutes worth of work to get it to that point where then you just watch the pot or watch, you know, take it out of the oven. So it's not right. labor intensive. So knowing how to do that, how to source the ingredients, a few little tips and tricks along the way, I've got you cooking much better than you ever thought you could. Because again, it's not rocket science. It's simple. It's food. People have been eating since the beginning of time, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and just showing you a few things that we do in the restaurant that makes life easier or buying different things that makes dinner more enjoyable. 
And then the one big thing I teach too, which as a chef, when I was in the restaurant, it was like, I was the no soup for you, chef. If you didn't like it, you know, you eat it the way I make it or there's no soup for you. <laughs> when, I, when I became a blogger, my wife said I became the kinder, gentler chef, Dennis. I, I think it was the <laughs> school that did it to me. The girls, I couldn't refuse them anything. Uh, she said, you know, you're so much more tolerant if they don't like, and I tell people in my blog now, I'll, I'll make a dish, but if it's got broccoli in it and say, I don't like broccoli, well, leave it out. It's the, the, the tablets didn't come down from the mountain. Okay, leave it out. Put spinach <laughs> in, put mushrooms in, put, you know, something else you enjoy eating. So the gist of what I try to teach people too is if you want to find joy in the kitchen and joy in cooking, Start making foods you like to eat. Mm. If you've got a recipe that you want to try and you're determined to try it, but it's got something you don't like in it, you're going to spend all that time. You're going to work hard to get it right. You're going to sit down to it. And because of that ingredient, you're not really going to like it. Mm -hmm. It's going to be good. And maybe other people around the table will like it. But if you don't like it, that's taking all the joy out of cooking. So what I try to tell people is to make food they like to eat. And I always go back to chicken parm because, you know, Peyton Manning and me, everybody loves chicken parm, right? It's, it's, <laughs> it's, just, it's just a great dish. But if you make something you like to eat, but you make it the right way and you see what, you know, like I always tell people the greatest sin against chicken parm is they never put enough sauce on it. You know, it comes out dry you know, or, or not enough cheese. You know, it's, it's really, come on, let's fix it. Make something you like. And when you sit down to eat it, you're going to be very happy. So if you're happy with what you made, guess what? Next time you're going to go into the kitchen with a better attitude and you're going to make something else you like to eat. And before you know it, the time in the kitchen has become a fun time. You're in there with your significant other <clears throat> creating food or maybe your kids, you're getting them involved in it. And you really start to see that time in the kitchen of what it should be. It's a communal bonding experience mm -hmm. where we come together because of food, the creating it, the crafting it can be part of it. And then we sit down and enjoy what we've made. So you've taken something. I was just on with somebody yesterday that was his idea was, it's just subs substance. It's, it's just something we need to do to eat. Well, that's true for some of the time, some of the meals, but we're a gregarious people. We are a communal people. We can sit down with anyone and share food and start laughing by the end of the meal. You know, even if the languages aren't the same, we find common grounds. So that's what you have to start thinking about and going back to how we ate. I mean, this was like the old way of how people ate before there was TV and the internet, you know, you had nothing to do, but talk to each other. You were forced into it. And mm -hmm. we've kind of lost that along the way, but it, that adds to the experience that adds to the enjoyment of eating. So again, this is, this is my mission. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I, I love it so much. I mean, food, food is such an interesting topic because you're right. It's there, there's all these different elements to it. It's not just, just food, <laughs> just yeah. sustenance. And yeah, it's been, it's, it's really fun. I can think of like all of my favorite experiences over the, you know, past couple of years. What, what are they? And there's some element of like sitting with friends, having a, a good meal, drinking some wine, you know, like just enjoying 
being together and, and food is so amazing at doing that. So I love your, your kind of mission to bring, it's almost like, tell me what you, you would consider your mission is to like bring joy in food and therefore gatherings of people. Yeah. You know, my, my big thing is I try to demystify cooking so you can find the joy of cooking in your kitchen Hmm. because, you know, I, I, I kind of go back to my mom. My mom was a nurse and she never really liked to cook. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was a chore for her. So because she didn't like to cook, the food wasn't as good as it could have been. And I tell people, if you go into a restaurant and all the servers aren't happy, that means the kitchen's not happy. And if the kitchen's not happy, <laughs> the food is probably not going to be as good as it could be. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the, that happiness and joy and love, you know, people all says, oh, it's made with butter and love. Well, you know, there's a lot of truth to that because if you're happy in, in the kitchen, your food's going to reflect that. And the overall uh, attitude and experience of when you serve it is going to reflect that. It's, it's going to just build. So, yeah, you know, that's, that's kind of my mission is to, to give you the confidence, right? To mystify it, to show you, hey, it's easy. You know, you, you, you can't cook fish because no one ever showed you my swordfish recipe is so easy to make and so flavorful, you know, the tricks. Well, when you put the fish in the oven, put some water on the pan. That fish came out of water. If you cook it dry, it's going to continue to dry out. If you put some water in the pan and as it cooks, it'll soak that water up a little bit. So it won't be all dry. Mm. Undercook it just a little bit. Trust Mm -hmm. me on that one. You know, don't, don't let it get so it's dried out this because then you're spending a lot of money on something. Fish is expensive, you know, and you cook it badly. And I was like, Oh, why did I waste all that money? I'm going out to eat and I'm going to spend twice as much to get it done. Right. Or three times as much when you can do it at home with just a little bit of technique and me telling you what to do. Yes. I, I, that is my favorite way to cook salmon a little undercooked. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah. good. Yeah. And most fish you'll find are are that way. You know, some of the flat white fish, you know, you might want to cook a little bit more, but anything that's got any thickness to it, because it's just going to keep drying out. Same thing with with proteins. You know, now it's safe to eat pork, uh, you know, at a medium rare level. You know, don't tell my wife that though. She she once said, well, well done. But I mean, it's tender it's it's juicier and it actually has more flavor because when you cook something well done you're cooking the the juices out of it you Mm -hmm. know the same thing with cutting a roast how many people know or a turkey you need to let it sit for 20 minutes before you cut it Mm -hmm. you need to let it sit you know even a steak let it sit for five minutes before you cut it so the juice flows back into the meat because it may look really cool when you cut it and the juice just spreads across the plate and you go, oh, that looks good. Well, what's happening is all the juice from the meat is, is spreading across the plate. So it's going to be dry. Ah, uh, yeah. Nice. Okay. Um, awesome. So, I mean, we, yeah, we could talk about food forever, but <laughs> let's talk a little bit more about you and okay. entrepreneurship and business. So first off, I'm just curious about like what your business model is. Well, my business model started out as a food blog. That that was that was the beginning of it, and it was a, a way to share recipes and uh, income is cr- is created f- with two major sources for income. Uh, these days, the the number one source is ad revenue. I work with a company okay. called Mediavine, which is 
the leader in the industry and it's a uh, owned by people not a corporation and they actually care about you and i've gotten to the point of my business where they were it's it's a reward system too with their how they run their businesses you start out with a 70 percent take of the split of what they get for ad revenue and as you stay there longer, you build up to 75%. There was an increase of a 1% a year as a loyalty bonus. And then if you hit business at this level, you get up to 85% and then 90%. Well, I'm one of their premier bloggers, so I get 90% of what they take in. You know, nice. they, they're not trying, they, they want to make money. They, they have some very successful blogs themselves, but they're not trying to uh, take advantage of people that are working very hard. They want to share what they're making. And for them, I mean, 10% of what the kind of business I'm doing, that's still a lot of money that they're getting for, for what I do, for being nice. you know, for them from they're doing their end. So that's the main source of my income. The other source of my income in the business model is I write uh, recipes for different companies. Okay. For them, for their website. Well, they, it goes on my website, but they can use it on theirs as well. I give them, I craft them images that they can use on social media or their website, and I promote the product. Mm. Sometimes they'll just ask me to promote their product without even writing a blog post about it, and I do that as well. So part of the reason they do that is in my social media presence. You know, as mm. as I grew on Google Plus, I learned how to I don't want to say manipulate, but how to play the game in social media and how to grow. Mm exponentially so my twitter following is up to seventy-five thousand. I, I before facebook went kind of crazy i had over eight hundred thousand on there i still do uh instagram i have fifty-four thousand. that's kind of like my weakest platform but i but i just it's still a very robust platform so mm -hmm. social media is very important not just for businesses you know just no brick and mortar businesses but for online businesses for people that mm -hmm. that are entrepreneurs because it's free advertising. Mm -hmm. It's something we don't pay for. So using that to your advantage is, you know, businesses change. I've seen business change over the years from how we would advertise, you know, via newspapers, magazines, radio. It's just, you know, and all of that's pretty much some companies still do it simply because they have to. It's just part of business models. But, you know, it's, it's gotten where it's not as effective. And you can see that with businesses turning to bloggers, to online personalities, to influencers, I hate that term, to influencers, <laughs> uh, to promote their products. And they're reaching an audience. And we go back to part of Google's grand experiment was teaching us that a lot was in the trust factor of people dealing with us, where we were so used to dealing with businesses, brands, pictures of people that really didn't exist. And now they wanted us to deal one-on-one -on -one with people. They want the trust factor of showing your face. It was a big deal. Show both eyes, show your whole face, you know, kind of a thing. So people could see you and, and build some authority. So we've, we've evolved into that. We've gone way past that. We're into the, the, um, short segment with TikTok where you know attention spans have gone from from out here down to here so it's changing the game and staying up on the game is very important to a business model to to mm -hmm. to, to keep it successful 
when I, when I say, you know, about other companies still doing uh, newspaper and magazine ads, going way, way back, I think it was the early 1900s, Wrigley's Chewing Gum was uh, the only chewing gum in town, you know, Wrigley's Field in Chicago. And they were advertising and someone asked Mr. Wrigley says, why do you advertise? You're the only gum there is. He goes, because the minute I stop and I stop being in front of people, they forget. Mm. They forget. So, you know, social media is now at least an option you don't have to pay for. But some of these companies go in these magazines simply because if you don't have those ads, someone else will and they'll forget you and they'll move on to somebody else. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. So that's very interesting. Um, okay. So in, you've been an entrepreneur for a, a, a number of years now. So what would you say is uh, one of the biggest challenges that you faced? And then what was the lesson that you took from that? I think one of the biggest challenges I faced was trying to do too much myself. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the cause that what happens is you, you get burnout, you get burnout, and you become less effective at, at running your business and everything because you're you're trying you're trying to keep control too much control so the lesson i learned from that was to do what i do well because if i can do more of what i do well business will grow faster and hire people to do the things that i don't do well or that i don't like to do Okay, I mentioned Pinterest earlier. I hated Pinterest. So I hired someone to run my Pinterest account and she built my business up like nobody's business. Really did a great job for me, really helped. So I hate doing emails, you know, in terms of, of email subscriptions, like if you have a business and people, you can get people to subscribe to your email. That is like the biggest deal in the world because they're letting you into their home almost they're letting you into their inbox it's like a a very um, it's personal so but but i was not consistent because i did not like doing it i just did not like doing it so i hired someone to do that three years ago and i i i keep i trim my email list i keep it lean people don't want to read my emails all right fine thank you bye-bye bye-bye now uh, but I've got uh, my email list. I've only got 10,000 subscribers, you know, and, and I have friends that have like a hundred thousand, but I get a 70% open rate. So that's, mm-hmm. that's unheard of in the industry. You know, I get a 15% click through rate and I get emails back from people constantly about stuff. So it's better to control it a little bit to be consistent with it. So, you know, that again, it was a term of me trying to do things, do them badly because I don't like doing them, which goes back to cooking. When I said, if you don't enjoy what you're doing, you're not going to be good at it. Same philosophy. I love to cook. I like to write. And, and I kind of enjoy taking the pictures. Some days I don't, but most days I do. So that's what I do really, really well. So I try to focus on that. I hire other people to do everything else. You know? Nice. And that's the lesson is like, don't be so controlling that you end up killing yourself. Find people to do the jobs you don't like to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you get more time back. Too, oh yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then eventually, you know, the business, I, I won't, would never say it runs itself because 
for blogging and with most businesses, it's the reference is like painting a bridge. Once you think you're done, you look at the other end and you got to start again. Mm-hmm. If, if you don't react with that kind of thinking and you don't look back to start again, what happens is that some portion of your business is going to fall through the cracks. So, you know, if you want to run a successful business, you really have to be aware of everything constantly. Yeah. Don't just, what I'm hearing you say is don't just relax when you feel like everything yeah. is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Again, you know, it's, but it doesn't mean you have to watch it. Like I have someone that watches the whole back end of my blog because I don't have the time or the skill set. So, but I don't have to worry about it because they're worrying about it and they're worried yeah. about it 24 seven. You know, they, yeah. they're, they have grown exponentially. So they have all this staff on. So I don't have to, everything's good. They're, it's the plan I bought was sleep soundly. That's so funny. That's what they named it. Sleep <laughs> That's an awesome name. I know. I know. I, tr- I tried to get them to come up with a plan for after, if you die. So that yeah. it, would, it would go in perpetuation, you know, we could turn it over. And I talked to the guy says, you need, because, you know, as I get old, as you get older, you start thinking more about death, not that it's coming soon, but you start thinking more about it. I said, you need yeah. to come up with a plan. So it would just, you would keep it running and I could pass it on. And I have a good name for you. I call it the big sleep soundly. <laughs> nice. I love it. Yeah. He laughed, but it never came out. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. I wish a marketing agency is. That, that's like the best name for marketing right there. Sleep oh, soundly. Sleep yeah. soundly. Yeah, he did a good yeah. job. Nice. Okay, cool. So um, what what is next for you? And, and obviously, like, I'm assuming, correct me if I'm wrong, you're doing this because it's fun. You like it. Oh, yeah. And the mission feels important to you. Yeah. So what what does the future hold for, for Dennis? Well, you know, I, I had become a pretty good travel blogger before the pandemic hit. So I'm hoping, mm-hmm. hoping the future gets me back out and traveling and seeing the world more and making more international friends. But I, I just want to keep working on it. I, I do mentor some other bloggers. You know, I like to help people. You know, it, when I first started, no one would share anything because they were always afraid you were going to steal their thunder. You know, you were going to replace mm-hmm. them. It's, it's the, 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 couldn't be further from the truth. The more people you help, the more people get better, the more, you know, everybody gets better. Uh, I I tell people, if you have a competitor, that competitor could more than likely be your best friend because you're doing the same thing and you both need someone to talk to. You both need someone to commiserate with. And, you know, you guys go out for a drink or or girls go out for a drink and find out that you have so much in common. And instead of fighting each other, you pick each other's brains and you both get better. So my mission, that's part of my mission too, is just to keep doing that for as long as I'm having fun. You know, I tell my wife one morning, I might wake up and go, I'm done. But for now, it's a blast. It's like, you know, this is like, I, I can't believe people read me or they want to talk to me or they they stop me because I, I went to a, <laughs> my chiropractor. He goes, you don't know that, but the receptionist, she found you last year and has been making all your recipes. When she found out you were Chef Dennis, she was like in awe. I'm like, really? <laughs> nice. So, so, and she's, so I went and talked to her and said, so he says, you know, would you like to get together and cook sometime? You know, I said, that would be fun. And she's like, really? And I said, you know, I, I'm nobody special. You know, I, I do something well and I enjoy doing it. And that's, that's the key to it. You know? Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Do you do any like that, like live in-person workshops where you get a bunch of people together and everybody cooks? 
I, I, I don't do it anymore. There was a okay. time in my life I did a lot of that, you know, with the culinary group. And then with just everywhere I worked, I always had impromptu workshops. That was just okay. something that someone taught me in the beginning of my career that you always give back something. You, know, yeah. you always try to give back. Uh, through when I retired, you know, my hands were shot. I had torn a rotator cuff. I couldn't lift my left arm. My back was a mess from all those years on those hard floors. So the ability and and the uh, joy and in going out and dragging all this equipment and setting up and doing things just was not there anymore. Uh, I yeah. recently had back surgery and for the first time in like two decades, I'm pain free. So I'm happy about that. So I'm hoping to get back out yeah. and, and do maybe not go out and do it, but do more in the house, maybe some more video work, maybe some more because I love doing cooking videos, you know, mm. when Google. So maybe get back to doing that and just trying to have a more of a presence. And I'll go anywhere. People hire me. You know, I, I give them a ridiculous number and if they says yes, you know, I'm on the plane. So, you know, if if not, you know, it's just a matter of time. <laughs> I, I know I did that. I, I did a commercial in California and they say, no, we want you to fly out and do this commercial. I says, all right, it'll be this amount of money. And they went, okay. And I went, oh, I guess I'm going to California you now. Uh, but for the most part, I, I don't do that anymore. It's a, it's a matter of um, time for me because time becomes a very valuable commodity. Uh, as you get older too, but and that's something a lot of people don't realize is when they price things out, they don't value their own time. And, and as their mm -hmm. business grows and they get even busier, they're not making enough because they never valued their own time. Mm -hmm. you know, and so they're stuck with a really successful business, but they're not making anything because they're paying everybody else. <laughs> so that that's a hard lesson too. That's something you have to learn. So at this point, I think I pick and choose what I do more than anything. And I, I would not have a problem with going out and doing something, but it would have to be fun and definitely pay very well. <laughs> yeah, love it. Okay, cool. So um, what is, I mean, what do you do outside? What do you like to do outside of this, if anything? um what what's something that you're like yeah that really makes me feel alive that's not related to cooking i, I love to travel that was kind of how we became I, I became a travel blogger uh, okay i was cool. i was i was called the accidental travel blogger i got uh, a friend says oh this hotel's looking for bloggers go i said no, i'm not a travel blogger. She says no go go and i went and it, and i'm staring out these nine foot glass doors looking at the ocean going wow I can do this. You know, then I started doing cruises around the world. People were sending me to Greece, to Italy, to like, oh, this is awesome. And, you know, yeah. so it, it relates to food, but it doesn't because I write about food. I had someone say, you know, oh, he was at eight UNESCO sites and never mentioned them. All he did was talk about the food. I said, well, Sparky, everybody knows those eight UNESCO sites are there, but they don't know what you can eat while you're there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so getting back to travel you know i love music i always have loved you know pretty cool. much any kind of music um i like movies you know so i read i read constantly uh i read mostly science fiction uh some fantasy a friend just turned me on to a guy who does um more suspense like uh, uh with an fbi character so i like those kind of books too 
Yeah. Nice. But, uh, but yeah, I'm always doing something. I, I don't just plop in front of the TV and watch it mindlessly. It's never been something I've been fond of doing. I don't play video games because I've got an addictive personality and I would probably never leave the TV if I did. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There'd be no blogging anymore. Just there would be no anything. <laughs> dinner? What dinner? I'm on yeah. level 27. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dennis, for your time today and sharing your story and like how you how you got where you are. Um, where can people find out, contact you, your website, all that yeah. stuff? I am askchefdennis.com. And on social media, I'm Ask Chef Dennis pretty much in every social that's out there. So okay. you know, you, my email's on my blog. You can drop me an email. Uh, if you make something, you can leave a comment and I'll respond. I, I try to respond to everything. It's yeah, part of the great. fun for me. Yeah, great. I'm definitely going to go find some recipes to make this next Good. week. So, Good. Sounds like lots of fun. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Dennis. My pleasure, David. Thanks for having me. You bet. Thank you for listening to Sacrifice to Success podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, please check out the link in the show notes and you can find all of the details there. If you got something out of this interview, would you please take a moment to share on social media? You can just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to somebody or post it on the socials. Let's see if we can change the narrative of social media and post valuable, positive content. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. So to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please go ahead and subscribe. The thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show. And they mean a lot to me. If you'd like to know more, go to my website, davidweavercoach.com. Or you can follow me on LinkedIn or Facebook. Those links are also in the show notes. And I do also have a free training on my website as well. So thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time.